0: You're listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy.
1: Welcome to a special Grounded series called Oregon Energy Timeline Conversations. A little background the Odo team has been working on a timeline project that illustrates Oregon's unique energy history. During this project, we've collected dozens of photographs, video clips, and interviews. And we're just too excited about these to wait until the timeline project is finished so we've decided to share with you all as we meet and talk with these fascinating energy thought leaders and contributors odo's own story core if you will on our third installment of timeline conversations we get to sit down with the energy trust of oregon's founding executive director margie harris she has held several dynamic positions in oregon And I can confidently say that Margie's work and energy has made lasting positive changes in Oregon. We get to sit down in a very intimate and candid conversation with Margie and learn all about this. Let's listen. Welcome Margie. I am so excited to be here with you today in your lovely home to talk about energy history, specifically, Uh, Energy Trust of Oregon, and the Oregon Department of Energy. Can you please introduce yourself and uh, some of your professional energy roles here in Oregon?
0: Sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate this opportunity to be with you, Erica, talk about things I care about. Uh, Background-wise, I moved to Oregon in 1976, and my very first job was at the Oregon Department of Energy. And I was the lobbyist working at that time, while we were introducing some new legislation to the legislature. And that was kind of putting Oregon on the map. And I was working in the conservation oh, department. Wow. And uh, we were relatively new, and there was a lot of enthusiasm and potential for what we could achieve. We were in the Garfield School <gasps>
1: yeah, in yeah. Salem.
0: And uh, technically, I think we were a department. Then it went to being an office, and then it came back to being a department. Uh, But I worked there for a good three and a half or so years. Learned a lot uh, about policy. I was 25 at the time and helping to uh, steer with many other interesting people the future of energy in our state. Uh, I worked also at the Western Solar Utilization Network, otherwise known as Western Sun. And if you've read any of um, Thomas Friedman's hot, flat, and crowded, I think is his title, Uh, there's a mention of regional solar energy centers that President Carter created in his tenure, and we had one based in Portland, and I worked there for several years also doing outreach. uh, We were in charge of 13 western states, Mm -hmm. and our mission was to commercialize solar energy and some other technologies. And It was a very exciting, tangible time, yeah, uh, to be working nationally and regionally to change markets, to commercialize right. the availability of those technologies, wow. and that was a whole lot of fun. I uh, spent some time consulting and traveling after that. Here I, within Oregon, or, yeah, or na- no, I've traveled internationally. Oh wow! <laughs> Had a little brief stint at Bonneville, enough to know that I'm better off in a non-governmental, federal setting, anyway. Sure, sure. (laughs) Uh, I needed a little more latitude. Uh, So when I came home from traveling, I started working for the city of Portland. And at that time, there was a new energy policy adopted by the city, and a gentleman named Marion Hemphill was one of the primary authors, and we had a city energy commission working to take the city to a new level of efficiency and conservation and uh the regional power act northwest power planning and conservation act Mm. is the full Mm -hmm. title yeah uh had passed so this is about 1981 and i was working on street light conversions oh wow updating those uh with a woman named cynthia kurtz and we were also working with bonneville to get reimbursed under the power act for our street light conversions and other things we were working on we did a uh, little recovery project from the methane gas mm-hmm. at the uh, sewage treatment plant mm-hmm. and put that in a pipeline to the malarkey com- roofing company and uh, as far as i know to this day they may still be using that oh, reclaimed so cool. gas yeah. Yeah. and turn the flare off at the, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and put it to, to better use so very again tangible absolutely uh, things that were very exciting at the time sure uh, and I Can I ask it, really quick? Yes. Um, the light conversion project, but how long did that take? Oh, a matter of months, actually. Because okay. once you get going, uh, I think it, it doesn't take long right. to actually make that right. happen. And then It's just course, all the, the
1: first stuff that you have to do to get there. All the preparatory yeah. Yeah. stuff,
0: all the approval process, the, uh, the mechanics of putting a project of that scale mm-hmm. into place. And then... Uh, Of course, the maintenance costs go down, and the Mm -hmm. energy bills go down, and that's a great thing for the city. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, And, you know, we have better lights today, you know, across the street from where we're sitting are LEDs, and that was not a thing that we could have chosen at that time. Sure wasn't, yeah. Which just shows you how evolution happens in that industry. My background in school was uh, the University of Michigan, and there was a School of Natural Resources, and it came into being uh, and had a whole other um, segment for environmental education, advocacy, and communications. And that was my undergrad and/slash/grad work because the program converted to graduate mm-hmm. while I was in it. So in the 70s, when Earth Day was held on the Michigan campus mm-hmm. in March before the April. 22nd earth day yeah yeah national scene that was when i clearly chose to be on an environmental path made um, that conscious decision yeah this is what i want and this is what i'm gonna it was such an easy decision yeah. yeah it's an easy alignment with right. my backgrounds and my beliefs and i've managed to stick with it in fact i almost printed out my copy of energy curriculum that i wrote for the ann arbor public schools oh, which wow. probably got me that job at the uh at odo when i was sure. hired <laughs> uh, so a little time at trimat doing marketing and an outreach and ridership development and uh opening up the west side light rail mm-hmm. which was cool a, a hell of a good party i worked at energy trust for 15 years they were um the most um, I described as the most challenging and the most fulfilling of uh, my career I adore the people that I had the privilege of working with I am thrilled that we had the resources we did to invest on behalf of the people in the state and Mm -hmm. in the service territories I am beholden to so many folks who contributed to our Mm -hmm. success I was very glad to see that uh, Michael Coldgrove, my successor, was Mm -hmm. interested in Perpetuating the culture and working on an initiative that I helped start um, for uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And I really am grateful to him for both those things. And the team that I hired when I began uh, is pretty much still there. That's wonderful. Um, So that's a a And that's a huge compliment to you. Well, I feel like they are the reason we were all successful, sure, you know, sure, and yeah. it's their commitment and their knowledge yeah. and their smarts and uh, all of us working as well as we did for yeah. those years that took the organization to great highs. Yeah. And again, back to that tangible theme, everywhere that I am in the state, I can see the impact of yeah. the public Your work. purpose
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: funds being invested, and that's very exciting uh, yeah. that the buildings we have uh, that the way in which people have been able to retrofit their homes like here two-thirds of the homes in our community are all have solar I have it's a plug-in wonderful. vehicle mm-hmm. in my garage we're net zero mm-hmm. um, you know it's just it's so much needed mm-hmm. um, probably more than ever it's kind of a race toward the finish it is. and And these homes just
1: don't happen no the conversations and the work had to be done before for us to be where we're
0: at now right yeah right and I think it's true of Odo too yeah you know Odo was one of the very first organizations of its kind Mm -hmm. in the country and uh, we we were leaders Sure.
1: so that brings me to to this next question that I have perfect segue is what was it like during those early days
0: of Odo and energy trust Well, of Odo, I just remember the enthusiasm. We were um, taking this document that Joel Schatz had helped craft and was the leader of, uh, called Transitions. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen that, it's quite thick. Mm -hmm. But it is all about how you take what we know about energy and we look at what the trends in the future are, Mm -hmm. and we make certain decisions to depart from the way things were at Mm -hmm. that time, and create something sustainable, something new, something more efficient. There were lots of women. Uh, there were lots of uh, strong people with vision. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's yeah. talk about the women that mm-hmm. you were able to work with.
1: Uh, traditionally, historically, it, the energy world has been mainly men, mm-hmm. um, and, but, but that, it wasn't only men. Right. So, yeah, maybe share some
0: of that. Yeah, so I was young and impressionable in my <laughs> 20s, and there were key women in the state of Oregon Betty Roberts, Barbara Roberts, Nancy Fadley, uh, who was on the Energy Committee. Uh, we had uh, Vera Katz in the House of Representatives, uh, Janet, whom I mentioned, Norma Roberts, or um, Norma Paulus, excuse me, was. Uh, Uh, Secretary of Education Um, I'm not sure I have to check that Either Secretary (laughs) of Education or uh, Secretary of State but people were very visible women were Mm -hmm. very visible and very active in our state government Mm -hmm. in those days and they were good role models for those of us coming up through the ranks I'm sure sure I'm missing many others but those were people that I had the pleasure Mm of um, learning from and they were progressive. That's wonderful. Yeah, and we have that reputation in our state. We do. We absolutely do. And look at us, us now. Yeah. you know, we <laughs> certainly have. And at one time, when I started at Energy Trust, Margie Gardner was the head of the Northwest Energy Efficiency Alliance. Rachel Shimshack, who ended up being one of my dearest friends, um, was at Renewables Northwest mm-hmm. project at the time. Now it's just Renewable Northwest, and. Uh, Judy Johanson was at Pacific Power and Light and Peggy, um, what's Peggy's last name? I'm not remembering Peggy's last. Oh, Peggy Fowler. Okay. Peggy Fowler was at uh, PGE. So we were rather a, a large number of women in positions of Stature, if mm-hmm. you will, sure. Uh, leading utilities, which is especially to your point, unusual mm-hmm. uh, for women to be in those roles and to be heading up nonprofit organizations right. as well. And uh, that was an excellent uh, partnership opportunity and collaboration yeah. opportunity. I think women work differently than men in many cases. Mm-hmm. I think we don't start by. Uh, competing necessarily with one another, but trying to find pathways for shared leadership and mm-hmm. shared responsibilities to get the job done. And I'm generalizing when I say that, but I that's been my experience sure. more often yeah. than not. And I'm certainly grateful to the many men who yeah. I worked with who share those same values.
1: Yeah, I feel I do feel lucky being in the the energy space. Uh, there's a lot of brilliant people, men and women, mm-hmm. and a lot of women. It, I've never had the experience, at least here at Odo, to where there wasn't the same place at the table yeah. with, with all of these really yeah. interesting people, especially women. Right. Okay. Earlier, you, you did share a, a little bit about your time as a lobbyist for the state of Oregon and mentioned uh, that bipartisan support yes. was, was different then. Um, can you tell us more about that experience yeah. and and, and, yeah. and
0: now? Yeah. Well, I really feel the loss at every level of government when we are this divided from one another and we don't seem to be talking to each other like we once did. And my very young experience being a lobbyist in Oregon in 1979 and 77, the two sessions when we were introducing all this legislation was totally different than it is today. People actually cared about what the legislation was on both sides and there wasn't as much effort to just get in the door with people Uh, so I remember for example uh, Senator Wingard, George Mm -hmm. Wingard who uh, was one of the people that I work most closely with on these bills Um, there were house bills introduced through Janet McLennan and Roy Hemingway and I was shopping them around and lining up support, and Mm -hmm. he was a Republican. But Republicans in Oregon, at least at that time, were moderate, in Mm -hmm. their opinion, Uh, and they were open-minded and interested, and mostly interested at that time in the economic benefits of energy savings. And when we talk about lowering people's bills, that appeals, I think, to everyone across the aisles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's all constituents who use energy, and it's all constituents who benefit from mm-hmm. lowering those costs.
1: That makes sense, And
0: yeah. to me, it's a no-brainer mm-hmm. of how this can appeal uh, to those who care about the environment and those who care about the economy. These things are linked together when it comes to our energy Right, And if we can reduce those costs, we end up benefiting, as I say, the direct users and purchasers and users Mm -hmm. of energy. So that's every sector of the economy. Uh, And when we're doing that, we are also investing in our future and having that be more sustainable and sound for future generations. So I've always had... uh, Good luck talking to people mm-hmm. about those arguments, if you will, mm-hmm. and I think that they definitely are, seems appealing to everyone. It is, and <laughs> yeah. I, and in fact, the whole topic of energy, yeah, from a, a consumer perspective, an economic perspective, and an environmental perspective, is very cross-cutting. Yeah, uh, because every sector relies on it, whether it's housing or transportation or land use, and for all that's what's retained my interest in this subject matter because it has so many legs it has so many different versions of itself and ways to make a difference that I hope will be uh, beneficial to everyone yeah I can absolutely that's that's beautiful and I can absolutely
1: identify with that Uh, I was hooked when when I started getting into uh, the energy world and communications Mm -hmm. wise schools to like you said, to housing, to transportation, mm-hmm. um, just really exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's so many ways right. to, to help and improve and change. Right. Um, okay, so I'm thinking then and now. Uh, how do you think Oregon's energy history is relevant to Oregon's mm-hmm. energy future? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think leaders and policymakers should be mindful of? Yeah.
0: So. If I were to just break that down, uh, my concern is the very, very short horizon I see to make a difference and have climate change not be as catastrophic as I believe it will be. I am very concerned worldwide about being able to lower the temperatures uh, that we're predicting and have been predicting for decades. So we have deaf ears to those messages, and we do not seem to have the stamina or the commitment as policy people to hold on to the vision and stay the course in a way that would make a difference from a climate perspective. And when a friend of mine asked me what I thought Mm -hmm. would happen about climate change. I would ask you too. (laughs) After working in the industry for Mm -hmm. over 40 years, I said, I don't believe we will be able to reverse this trajectory. course, correct at this time. Yeah, right. I don't believe we will. And what a loss. And unfortunately, that loss will not be felt equally by different populations. Uh, We have a history of ignoring and abusing certain parts of our Population because they are low income, because they are near a super fund site, because they need subsidy, they need assistance, they need support. And we have, for way too long, in my view, not brought them in and given them what they are due and what they deserve in the world of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, having programs designed specifically for low income solar helps. Mm -hmm. Working with Habitat for Humanity Mm -hmm. helps. Working with housing authorities helps. Working with low-income affordable housing developers helps. But we are late to the table with them, in my view, and we Mm. should be uh, remorseful about years that we missed and didn't take enough time to plan and engage with all populations. I could say the same about people who don't speak English Mm -hmm. as a first language. Uh, I could say the same about smaller businesses. Uh, And all all of those seats need to be filled Mm -hmm. around the table for us to pay attention and correct what hasn't been available Mm -hmm. to them and to assist and provide equally across the board Uh, for everyone who is paying the public purpose Mm -hmm. charge, for everyone who is paying too high a bill. Uh, Certainly I'm grateful to the Citizens Utility Board for their advocacy. CUB? Um, Yes. Um, And Bob Jenks is to be commended for so many years of work. Mm -hmm. Also very grateful to the Fair and Clean Energy Coalition that helped create energy trust. And held on to those values and enabled us to do work for schools and work for lower-income people. Uh, so those are places where I think we've missed along the way, mm-hmm. where more work is necessary. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that the population of Oregon is changing, the demographics are changing. It's true. Yes. Uh, it's very, very different than when I moved here in the '70s, and that creates new opportunity, mm-hmm. new access. new customers, new beneficiaries, um, new investment. So all of those things are things policymakers need to be paying attention to as well. I think there's an appropriate cost-effectiveness standard that's in place for this kind of work, Um, but I think that uh, having attention paid to how that's structured Mm -hmm. and looking at how organizations are funded to make a difference, Mm -hmm. to serve every part of the population, is critically important for policy leaders. I know things are different than when I was at Energy Trust because it's no longer a legislative decision about the 2%, Mm -hmm. uh, the 3% increments of uh, funding through the public purpose charge, and all of that has migrated over appropriately, in my opinion, to the Public Utility Commission. Three women making Mm -hmm. decisions that are quite progressive Mm -hmm. and attentive to the future. And I think uh, that makes a tremendous difference because we are a part of the future planning for utilities and part of the resource management for utilities. I think just as I was leaving, we were looking at, uh, at Energy Trust ways to uh, attend our investments to make mm-hmm. our investments more beneficial for the utilities. So if they had congestion on their lines in a particular place then we could invest in a corollary way uh, to reduce demand on their that part of their system. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of partnership yeah. that I think is yeah. very cool and really important to do because they're the uh, people managing the system mm-hmm. and if we can help them manage it in a way that it is more sustainable mm-hmm. uh, that makes a huge difference for the yeah. future I have to say I think our utilities in our state are very progressive Yeah, uh, I'm, I commend all of, all of them <laughs> cool. I, I think that uh, working with them has uh, taught me a lot about how they think and what's important to them mm-hmm. and what we can do through Energy Trust and Oregon Department mm-hmm. of Energy and other governmental entities and nonprofit entities to support them in a way that lends our collective miss- missions. Yeah. And listen. And Absolutely. listen both ways yep. yep. always mm-hmm. uh, so that we understand where we overlap and where the policy choices that are made by legislators and by the uh, the implementation of those policies mm-hmm. through the commission uh, or through the governor, through executive order on uh, reducing fossil fuels. Those are places where we intersect with each other, and we all have the same customers. Yeah. And I think it's really important that the customer messages are reinforcing. Mm-hmm. And we certainly did that with the utilities. And as you probably know, uh, when Energy Trust was created, we were working just with two utilities, and they were both electric, PGE Mm -hmm. and Pacific Power. Right. And only in the course of a few years through decoupling um, did we get to also work with Northwest Natural Gas Mm -hmm. and ultimately Cascade Natural Gas. And that meant we were holistic, and we could uh, speak to the customer comprehensively Mm -hmm. about their electric and their gas consumption and the opportunities for saving yeah that brought with it some interesting complications because you can't really work in the arena of fuel switching <laughs> uh, right <but laughs> we navigated that pretty well uh, over time mm-hmm. and uh had to come up with standards for our energy performance score sure that yeah. were fair based and uh presented the advantages of an all-electric home or an electric and gas yeah. home or an all-gas home. Well, you rarely do Creative have solutions. Yes, how are we, we going to how we gonna do this? How right. are we going to talk about this? That's right. <laughs> and those got to be sometimes sticky issues. Sure. But I think, I think we work through many of them. So it's always working with the structure that we have and thinking ahead to how can we... Um, work in a manner that recognizes Mm -hmm. our different end goals Mm -hmm. and uh how we can work collaboratively yeah yeah it's beautiful
1: That's a wrap. I hope you feel just as inspired to champion Oregon and energy just like I did after this great conversation. And please check back regularly. We have more timeline conversations coming up as well as our regular grounded podcast. Thanks so much for listening with me and remember to stay grounded.